Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 164 of the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, where I'm going to talk about a follow-up episode to last week's episode. Uh, last week, I talked about quiet quitting in episode 163. If you haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, highly suggest you do. Um, but today, we're going to talk about quiet firing. My podcast last week about quiet quitting received, uh, surprisingly... Quite a bit of negative feedback last week, and I was I was very kind of surprised at that. And a lot of people they really objected to and honed down on the idea, the concept of quiet quitting and and supporting it because kind of a uh, what aboutism that was everybody's basically knee jerk reaction. Um, I, I I said that the concept of quiet quitting is a poor approach to life and work and you know we shouldn't do it but everybody's response was basically the same like okay yeah 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 yeah. that sounds all good that sounds all nice and ideal but jimmy what about my jerk boss (laughs) what about my jerk boss was basically the essence of most of the negative feedback that i i received um so i thought this week that it would be fun to do a follow-up episode about your jerk boss. And interestingly enough, and looking more into the quiet quitting phenomenon, I came across this concept also known as quiet firing. That also makes something of a splash on social media, um, kind of in response to the quiet, uh, quiet quitting phenomenon. So I thought, hey, Let's, let's do a follow-up episode this week and, and talk about your jerk boss. The, uh, explore a little bit more of the concept of quiet quitting and its relationship to quiet firing. So what is quiet firing? If you never heard of quiet quitting, you've probably never heard of quiet firing. But I'm pretty sure you're going to recognize it when I describe it to you. Because honestly, even though this quiet firing tagline may be somewhat new, uh, the concept and the practice, I think it's actually pretty pervasive. Um, Quiet firing is a passive-aggressive technique that management at a company uses to push undesired employees out the door or into another department to make it somebody else's problem. (laughs) It's funny. It's sad, but it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, we don't we don't like Eric, for example. We don't like Eric. So if we just like kind of isolate Eric, make Eric feel bad about work, uh, maybe he'll transfer into somebody else. Maybe he'll go over to Steve's department and become Steve's problem. <laughs> or maybe he'll just leave the company altogether and uh, that'll be that and we won't have to worry about him anymore. This management style can take a variety of approaches. Um, It can mean giving employees such things as mediocre performance reviews, 
regularly skipping out on one-on-one meetings, um, that uh, you discuss your performance and plans of action and how you can better improve uh, as an employee, where you don't give or you give very low minimal raises on an annual basis, especially raises that don't really keep up with the pace of inflation, which means if you're not keeping up with the pace of inflation, you're technically paying your employees less. Uh, while often demanding more (laughs) of them. Uh, So if you're not regularly giving them annual raises, um, that's definitely a a very negative thing, especially if it doesn't keep up with inflation. And oh, by the way, I don't know too many companies this past year that gave their employees uh, a uh, raise that kept up with the 10% inflation rate of last year. I, I don't know anybody who got that as just a courtesy annual raise. But I digress. Um... So you have things like that, not giving their annual raises. You also do passive things that exclude this employee. You exclude them from updates and memos and emails and uh, special meetings. You exclude them from special projects. You exclude them from opportunities to grow. And then when you do give them work, you often give them undesirable projects and assignments that are just, you know, amount to nothing but soul-sucking busy work at the end of the day, and you begin to start treating this employee as nothing more than a quote-unquote, and I've heard this before from somebody else, I'm not going to say who, uh, but I've heard this phrase from somebody else, Uh, you start treating such employees as just another warm body. That is, they're there to do the bare minimum work, uh, and they can do the bare minimum work with little supervision, um, and you can expect it to be mediocre work, but because it's bare minimum, and it's because it's undesirable work and projects and assignments and tedious stuff. Nobody really cares, but you don't just want them sitting there playing solitaire or looking at their phone all day. Uh, So you give them some sort of work, and you basically just relegate this employee to being nothing more than a warm body. And you do this strategically because at the end of the day, you just hope that they're going to get frustrated, burnt out, tired of being mistreated, um, and just go find another place to, to work, um, whether it's another department or another corporation, you don't care. You're just glad to see them go. Now you might ask what, what, why would a company do this? This seems like such a terrible thing to do this quiet firing thing. Why would you slowly just nudge somebody out the door and just make their life a living hell? Uh, why would you just give them these drudgery tasks? Why, why continue to employ them at all? If they're a substandard employee and, and for some reason they're just not functioning as they should, um, why don't you just fire them? That, that just seems like, you know, uh, a, a good idea. Or maybe you just find another fit for them to where it's being like, you know, Eric isn't a very good employee at this this particular mortgage underwriting thing, but I think Eric would be uh, really good over on the phone lines because he's a real people person, right? <laughs> uh, so you know maybe you would you would do that. You would find another position um, for Eric if one is available at the company that maybe might be better suited for his talents and skills and interest and so forth. But the other alternative, if there's no such things, then you just you know would normally fire Eric if Eric is such a terrible employee. There's a problem with just firing Eric. Sometimes firing Eric is made very difficult by corporate HR, upper management, 
legal departments, and people of that nature at a corporation, often outside uh, the ability of a manager or his manager uh, to, to do. Because there's just something about Eric that somebody sits there and thinks, you know, as much as we'd like to see him go, we're worried about getting sued if we let Eric go. He's, because we've got some bad beef with him. We've obviously had some words. We're, we're worried about some sort of lawsuit, especially of the discriminatory kind um, that, or a kind that alleges harassment or, or something of that nature that just ultimately makes the company look bad. Um, and on top of it, you know, not only is there the legal concerns, so many HR departments these days make it practically an act of Congress to fire somebody. Um, and they require mountains upon mountains of paperwork completed regularly by management uh, that tracks the employee's daily performance, what they did good, what they did bad, and how they didn't meet expectations. And to do this for a long period of time so that when it does tum, come time to, to fire Eric, then, you know, they can say, well, we fired him with cause and then shield themselves from a lawsuit as a result. But <laughs> when I sit there and think about the big bad bank that I used to work for for over a decade, I can sit there and count on just a couple fingers so not, and not even fill one hand of all the people that I know that had ever been fired as a result of their performance at work. That's not to say that I didn't know, though, a lot of employees who absolutely deserve to be fired. Like this Eric character that I'm mentioning. That's not just a theoretical name. That's actually somebody I have in mind when I'm thinking about this podcast today. I won't tell you his last name, but there was definitely a guy named Eric who was, man, Eric was a terrible, terrible employee on so many levels. But they just wouldn't fire Eric, even though he was such a terrible employee on so many levels. And I've known some people like Eric, who deserved to be fired, that were just terrible on so many levels. But, you know, in spite of them being terrible on so many levels, and everybody on the... This wasn't just my opinion. This was like everybody's opinion on the team. Like They were definitely the center of the gossip uh, when it came to the inner office gossip and what was going on in the office. People, people had some names of like, hey, we know who the slackers are on this team. We know who are the people that constantly screw things up and don't do a good job. And then you always come in every day and they're sitting there at their desk doing whatever it is that they're doing. So there's definitely some employees who fit that they deserve to be fired thing, but they don't. And they don't get fired because what is required to fire a lot of these subpar employees, you know, like I said, practically took an act of Congress. And management was usually so busy doing other things, productive, that management needed to focus on. That management just didn't feel like they had time often to, to take care of these problematic employees. And because they were so distracted with all the other important things going on and running the business, they're just like... Who has time for that? Like, as much as I hate this guy, as much as I dislike this guy, as much as he's a bad fit for our entire team and everybody else dislikes him and nobody respects him and everybody else just wishes he'd go away. Like, I'm not going to go through the effort of firing him because it's just, it's not worth it. <laughs> so unless he does something fraudulent or illegal that could result in an immediate termination, we're just going to keep 
Eric around, uh, hoping that, you know, he eventually uses this, the, eventually the cold shoulder eventually pushes Eric into another department or another company altogether. And guess what? <laughs> That's exactly what happened with Eric. Eric one day came in and said he found another opportunity elsewhere. He quit and he went somewhere else. And everybody was thrilled when Eric left the team. Everybody was, they couldn't believe he was going on to something that was allegedly bigger and better, according to him. Uh, especially when he described the, the nature of the position. Uh, but uh, it was kind of like, really? You're, like, you're the most incompetent person on the team and you're going over to this place where it sounds like you have to be, you know, one of the more competent people? But it was a government job, so who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, so, there's no dirty secret. We had these feelings about Eric. There's no dirty secret at the Big Bad Bank uh, that, that this was a practice comment at the Big Bad Bank. I didn't just see it in the one department that I am specifically mentioning in regard to this character named Eric. But I saw it in multiple departments. And I had the conversation, not with every manager. And I don't remember if I had this conversation with my particular manager uh, regarding him, but uh, I definitely know I had it with multiples. Um, sometimes, usually after I had left the department to go do something else, or, you know, I'd be talking to them outside of work, and they would just tell me, like, and this is just the case. Like, they, they said I would love to fire him. I'd love to get him to go away. I'd love for him to go somewhere else, but... I have to jump through X, Y, and Z hoops, and I have to do that for a year. Now, if I have to do that for a year and I screw up even one bit, I can't get them fired. So then it just becomes a nightmare. They're not HR and legal, and the powers that be aren't going to allow it. So that dysfunctional, bad, terrible employee sticks around. And you know... I think, in talking to a number of employees and knowing a lot of people over the years, knowing that, th that they knew that at the Big Bad Bank that it practically took an act of Congress to get fired and that, you know, simply being a subpar employee who didn't own up to their daily work requirements wasn't going to be something that necessarily got them terminated. There were some employees who took advantage of this, knowing this, and they deliberately became coasters and subpar employees, because they're just like, well, they're going to still cut me a paycheck every other Friday. Why am I going to bust my hump? If I'm just going to kind of be here at, at this level of the totem pole, and I don't have any aspirations for anything else, why, why should I try harder? And it's not because anybody around here is going to do anything about it, right? And, and, and unfortunately, I think that became the attitude of more than one or two people on any given team in any department. They, they knew. They just knew that there was nothing that they could do apart from doing something illegal or something that would get them in trouble with HR or something fraudulent or something of that nature. They knew apart from that, they probably weren't ever going to get fired unless they just did something really, really stupid. So they coasted. And they got away with it. And they still collected their paycheck at the end of the day. And that's kind of the culture, I think, that ultimately quiet firing ultimately kind of cultivates. So before I get into more of this, I want to go ahead and talk about a couple 
points that I have specifically on top of this about um, why I believe quiet firing isn't a good thing and it's just as terrible as the entire quiet quitting phenomenon. First, from a biblical perspective, since this is a, you know, podcast that talks about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. The Apostle Paul taught in Colossians 4, Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. And I don't know about you, but this entire quiet firing thing doesn't just, doesn't appear to be very just or fair. It may be pragmatic, and I definitely sympathize with managers who feel like, hey, I'm already overworked as it is. I don't have time to dedicate to documenting why this employee needs to go somewhere else. So I'm just going to spend my energy pushing him out the door, if at all possible. Um, but, you know, when I, when I hear this sort of conversation and, and, and talk, and while I understand the pragmatic nature of it, it's just a manager resigning himself to the soul-sucking impossible task that, you know, Firing somebody's going to be impossible, so they're not going to do it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, with that said, this, this verse in Colossians 4 about masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness and knowing that you too have a master in heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't find this entire quiet firing thing to be a very just or fair way to treat your employees. I don't care how bad they are. Justice ultimately demands action be taken in regard to how we treat other individuals. Simply allowing someone to squirm and make their lives uncomfortable at works and hope that they get the picture and leave and go somewhere else is really an unjust and unfair way to treat another person. Justice demands we take action and that we take action geared towards making people whole. And in quiet firing somebody, there is in no sense that we are taking actions that look to make a person whole. Second, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a quote-unquote golden rule. And the golden rule requires ultimately a deep level of empathy that is willing to walk a mile in another person's shoes and the willingness to ultimately get back whatever it is that you dish out. Treat others like you want to be treated at the end of the day. So with that said, let me ask you a question. So boss, how do you want to be treated? Do you want healthy boundaries at work? Do you want to be generously compensated? Do you want opportunities to grow and advance? Do you want to be acknowledged for a job well done? And if you're underperforming and having a hard time at work and really kind of suck at your job, Do you want someone who can come alongside of you and provide provide you constructive feedback and give you additional training to help you flourish in your job? And if you're truly a bad employee and the job and you just aren't a good fit, wouldn't you rather have the the self-respect and dignity coming with associated with being fired? than to simply constantly be disrespected every day at work and treated as a nuisance that people just would rather go away? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be treated that way. I'd want to be treated in a way that is fair and just. I would want to be generously compensated. I would want to have the opportunity to advance and to grow and to do work outside of 
my normal job duties so that I can learn new skills and knowledge. And, and, and if, I, if I am a subpar employee, and guess what? There, I haven't always been a great employee everywhere that I've worked. There's been some jobs where I have truly just been a bad fit. Um, and there has been a job or two in my life where I did get fired. Not any time recent, but it's happened. Uh, it's definitely happened. And you know, at the end of the day, I was kind of, I specifically think of one job in particular that I was fired. It was, it was a job uh, shortly after college. I had taken a, a job at an Italian uh, restaurant and I had some experience cooking at another restaurant before. And so I joined um, in hopes of kind of being a line cook and, uh, you know, making a little bit extra money than I was making somewhere else. And I thought I would be a good fit. But after two days, it was kind of obvious that I wasn't a good fit. And it just wasn't going to work out. I, I wasn't always this amazing cook. For those of you who know me, I'm, I'm such a great cook. And for those of you who follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you always know what wonderful pictures I'm taking and sharing of my food. So it may come as a shock to you to know that I wasn't always this outstanding cook. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know... So my manager just was like, hey, you know, you know, we don't think you're a good fit in the kitchen. Would you love this other opportunity that we have at, at the front of the restaurant to, to be a waiter? You know, we think you'd probably be a good waiter, a better waiter than a cook. Um, and, you know, I was I was glad to, to be told that um, versus just, you know, continuing to be hobbled along or just randomly fired. Um, and I told them, well, you know, I'm not really interested and, uh, you know, being a waiter, uh, I'd rather be a cook uh, in spite of me, you know, perhaps not being uh, such a great cook at the time. And uh, they're just like, well, I don't think this is going to work out. And I was like, well, yeah, I agree. I Thank you for giving me the call and uh, let us work this out. Now, they could have been like, hey, Jimmy, we're, we're going to train you and we're going to make you into this great Michelin star Italian cook. Uh, they chose not to do that. Uh, they really needed somebody at the job that could hit the ground running in a better way than I was able to. Um, I thought my skills might be a little bit more. Um, and it would have been nice if maybe they would have given me a little more hands-on instruction and showing me how to do things. Uh, they ultimately didn't. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad that they at least said, hey, well, like he seems like a nice guy. Uh, let's see if maybe he wouldn't be a better fit somewhere else. We're not just going to fire him outright. So they made an opportunity for me in another place, and I just didn't want to take that opportunity, and we just realized we weren't going to be a good fit. I think that's how you should treat people when it comes to firing people, if, if you're going to be firing them. If, if maybe they're just not good, a good fit, just see if they can't fit somewhere else. Um, and if they can't, you know, it may be time to let them go. And that may not be easy to do. It's, you know, much easier to do at a mom-and-a-pop Italian restaurant and... and uh, and, and the suburbs than it is in the, the entrenched corporate bureaucracy that is the place that I worked with at the Big Bad Bank. But at the end of the day, if you're truly focused on treating people justly and you want to treat others as you would have them treat you, well, then, you know, maybe you take these sort of steps um, in order to realize that, you know, somebody may not be a good fit. And instead of just passive-aggressively letting them feel uncomfortable and maybe hoping to go elsewhere because it's ultimately inconvenient for you. If you're committed 
to the concept of justice, and if you're committed to the concept of treating others as you'd want to be treated, then you know, if it's within your power, and you may have to jump through some extra hoops in order to deal with it at work, then maybe you should not uh, take this quiet firing approach, and you should dig down deep and do the hard work of doing whatever is necessary to maybe find another opportunity for this employee or to, uh, you know, ultimately show them the door. And if that takes a while to happen, at the end of the day, if you're committed to the principles of justice and treating others as you'd want to be treated, it may be necessary for you to do that. And you may not like that. That may be hard. Uh, But if you're committed to those principles, I think you will ultimately... You know, pick up your cross, die to self, and do the hard thing um, because you are committed to those principles. Third, a disengaged employee is just going to pull down your team, your department, and your business at the end of the day. So if you go about quietly firing somebody, you're just going to get this toxic individual, and everybody's going to know about it. And it's going to kill morale. It's not going to make your, your, your place a better place of employment. And quiet firing an employee, all it does is simply make them a liability instead of a cherished asset. Guess what? Other employees are going to notice. And while star employees like yours truly (laughs) may jump at opportunities afforded to them because of someone else's slack and because somebody else isn't carrying their weight and because somebody else is incompetent, you also risk creating resentful negative emotions on a team once other people figure out what's going on. And guess what? People are going to figure out what's going on. I remember having a position on one team where it wasn't uncommon for me and my department to hit a 125% plus production goals on a regular basis for me. I did that on a monthly and or daily and a monthly basis in my department. And it was a regular thing for me to just absolutely crush my numbers. And in doing that, I couldn't help but notice, though, the numbers of other people on the team. And maybe it was a mistake that the the team probably shouldn't have been putting out everybody's performance numbers. I'll I'll leave that for another podcast topic on another day. Um, But when you see a regular list of people's production or you're able to pull those production numbers yourself and you start noticing that you're usually towards the top of the list and you notice there's a lot of people who don't even do 100% and, or even close to it or even close to 75% and that there are some people, gosh, even shockingly, who don't even do 50% of their work. You know, you kind of start scratching your head and you wonder what's going on around here. And while I was usually happy to pick up somebody else's slack, as this often gave me more opportunities to grow and to make more money and to, to hit my production numbers and to get overtime and to get bonuses and things of that nature and it made my life, generally speaking, better. There were some times, though, especially in times of mandatory overtime situations where I found myself working simply because I was being forced to and not because I wanted to. When you start having mandatory overtime situations where everybody on the team is having to work 55 plus, 60 plus hour weeks and you're having to come in on Saturdays and you're drowning in work and you're working late nights and not everybody on your team is performing optimally and there are still some people who even apart from the overtime, they're still not even hitting the 100% expectation goals 
uh, for themselves, you kind of start resenting some of those subpar employees. And you start not only resenting those subpar employees, but you kind of start resenting your managers and the company you work for for keeping such people around. And this creates a poison. And I believe that a manager or corporation, as a result of this poison, once, once somebody realizes that, hey, the top 20% are doing 80% of the work, <laughs> and there's a lot of slackers on this team, you as an individual, especially if you're in that top 20%, or you're top 1%, or whatever it is you are, and you start feeling this kind of bitterness for being forced to work more than you're wanting to work, and having to pick up other people's slack, and... You know, knowing that person at their base wage gets paid the same or similar to you. Um, you start sitting there thinking, you know, maybe I can take my, my work ethic and my skills and my knowledge and my level of expertise and my overperformance. Maybe I, can take, maybe I can take this knowledge and skills somewhere better where they, where they, they look at me better and give me better pay and opportunity and I'm not just sitting around picking up somebody else's slack. And so, as a result, the really stellar employees, as a result of the really bad employees, end up leaving the department too. I'm not going to lie. That's happened sometimes in my career. Where I realized I was overperforming and that I was doing an exceptional job and that there were some people who were not. And that kind of made me feel really bad about what I was doing and the people I, the team I worked for or the, the corporation I worked for. So I would look to other opportunities, you know? And there's been a time or two in my career where I've changed teams or changed jobs because I thought, you know, I'm tired of picking up everybody else's slack and not being recognized for it. Or maybe I am being recognized for it, but I'm still having to do more than I want to do. And it's interfering with my personal life. And it's creating unhealthy situations in regard to my own personal sanity and health and that of my family and the things that I really care about outside of work. So I sit there and think, you know, if they're going to allow these slackers who deserve to be fired to continue to weigh individuals like me down, I'm just going to go somewhere else. So then what happens? Often this quiet firing doesn't necessarily result in those underperformers going somewhere else. Sometimes they become all the more entrenched because they realize you're not going to do anything about it. So they're still going to show up every week. They know what's going on. And they're going to sit there and treat their managers resentfully, their team members resentfully. And they're going to look at everybody with the piss poor attitude and they're not going to care about any of it because they know that you're not going to do anything about it and they're still going to get paid every two weeks. And so they're happy with that. They're going to be like, hey, you don't want to give me good work? You don't want to give me opportunities and blah, 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 and whatever their argument is in their head and whatever they're thinking, even if they are a terrible employee? Some of them may just own it. I can sit there and think about one particular individual uh, before at a job that I had where he was constantly getting in trouble with management, constantly going back and forth. They were constantly fighting like cats and dogs. He did terrible at work, and he would sit there and complain about his, his team, his company, his managers all day long, 
and he'd run his mouth and not do anything, but he knew management wasn't going to do anything about it. So he kept there working the bare minimum of what he thought he was willing to do with his eight-hour day while the rest of us had to pick up his slack. And he got paid the same as everybody else. And he didn't get fired. And he just continued to flounder because he knew nobody was going to do anything about it. And he was happy to have a paycheck and he was happy to have job security. So he decided to quietly quit while management also was quietly firing him. And uh, they never actually end up resolving that issue. They just continued to fester for years on years on years. And that just happened. And <laughs> it was, you know, quite the sight to behold. I'm constantly looking at this guy like, why don't you just quit? And looking at management, why don't you just fire him? You, you, neither of you clearly like each other. But neither was willing to do anything about it because both had their advantages and disadvantages and issues that they had to deal with in regard to that. And uh, to some degree, I think, you know, the, uh, this terrible employee was, you know, really good uh, at milking the system. And I don't blame him. Uh, I think it was terrible what he was doing, but I don't blame him for milking the system in those situations. Um, and, you know, you're going to have some employees who's going to be the exact same way. They're eventually going to be wise to what's happening, and they're just going to own it, and they're going to own you, and they're going to become a toxic, uh, just this toxic cancer that spreads throughout your department and throughout your corporation. And you're going to just continue to have such lackluster employees that drag everybody down with them because they refuse to go somewhere else and they know you're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> so in conclusion, I hate the concept of quiet firing as much as quiet quitting. Both are really terrible ways to behave in my mind. They create a dysfunctional work environment and destroy the God-given potential of all involved with such individuals. Quiet quitting and quiet firing don't make the world a better place. Instead, they are a cancer that grows and slowly kills its host. We need to live and work in such a way as to help foster human flourishing. And I believe we do a real disservice to not only ourselves, but the rest of humanity by participating in these rather broken ways of working. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 164. What about quiet firing at work? As a response to my quiet quitting podcast and all of those of you who are just demanding, what about my jerk boss? So I decided to talk about your jerk boss. I hope that makes everybody happy. And if it makes you happy, you have the opportunity now to go over to um, places like Apple and Spotify and leave glowing five-star reviews about how wonderfully intellectually balanced and consistent and honest and funny and intelligent and wonderful jimmystable.com podcast is and about how I'm willing to see both sides of the coin and and throw punches where they're deserved and poke an eye where it's needed. <laughs> so everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey. Jimmy Humphrey. I'm sorry. Gosh, I couldn't even pronounce my own name correctly. You should probably fire me over that. So maybe you give me four stars uh, instead of five stars. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey. If you've enjoyed this podcast, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. Um, like I said, give the five-star review. If you haven't had the opportunity to subscribe yet, go to jimmystable.com slash subscribe and you can find your favorite way to subscribe, whether that's through Apple, Spotify, or the other different ways there are to subscribe, including old-fashioned email newsletters, um, in which you will get 
updates about the weekly update of this podcast when episodes come out, which they typically come out uh, on Sunday mornings, although last week I accidentally hit the publish button prematurely and published it on a Saturday. So you got it a day early. Good for you. Uh, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.